Section 8 of The Toilers of the Sea by Victor Hugo. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by John Greenman. Chapter 8 The Chair of Guild Home Ur. One might search in vain today in the inlet of Home for Gilliatt's house, garden, and the creek in which he sheltered the paunch. The Bue de la Rue no longer exists. The little peninsula where stood this house has fallen beneath the picks of the quarrymen, and has been carried away, cartload by cartload, on the vessels of the dealers in rocks and of granite. It has become a key, a church, and a palace in the capital. That whole crest of reefs has long since been conveyed to London. These projections of rocks into the sea, with their chasms and crevices, are miniature mountain chains. On looking at them one receives the same impressions that a giant would have from looking at the cordilleras. The local dialect calls them bonk. These banks have various shapes. Some resemble a dorsal spine, each rock is a vertebrae, others the skeleton of a fish, others a crocodile drinking. At the extremity of the banque de la Bue de la Rue there was a great rock which the fishermen of Homé called the Beast's Horn. This rock, though less lofty, resembled the pinnacle in Jersey. At high tide the water separated it from the bank, and the horn was isolated. At low tide it could be reached by an isthmus of rocks. The curious feature about this rock was that on the side toward the sea there was a sort of natural chair hollowed out by the sea and polished by the rain. This chair was treacherous. One was insensibly attracted thither by the beauty of the view. One paused there for love of the prospect, as they say in Guernsey. Something detained you there. There is a charm in vast horizons. This chair offered itself to you. It formed a sort of niche in the perpendicular face of the cliff. It was easy to climb into that niche. The sea, which had hewn it out of the rock, had also arranged beneath it a sort of staircase of flat stones. The abyss indulges in these attentions of politeness, distrust its politeness. The chair tempted one to ascend thither. There one felt at ease, for seat, the granite worn and rounded by the foam, for arms, two hollows which seemed made expressly for back, the whole high vertical wall of the rock above one's head, which one admired without thinking of saying to oneself that it was impossible to scale it. Nothing more simple than to forget oneself in this armchair. One beheld the whole sea laid before one. One saw in the offing vessels arriving or departing. One could follow a ship with the eyes until it sank beyond the cascade, below the curve of the ocean one marveled, gazed, enjoyed, one felt the caress of the breeze and the waves. There exists in Cayenne a bat which lulls you to sleep in the shade with a gentle waving of its dusky wings. The wind is this invisible bat. When it is not engaged in ravaging, it is engaged in lulling to sleep. One gazed at the sea, one listened to the wind, or yielded to the drowsiness of ecstasy. When the eyes are filled with an excess of beauty and light, it is luxury to close them. 
All at once one roused oneself. It was too late. The sea had risen little by little. The water surrounded the rock. One was lost. What a terrible thing was this rock in the rising sea. The tide rises imperceptibly at first, then violently. On arriving at the rocks, it is seized with anger. It foams. Swimming is not always successful among the breakers. Excellent swimmers have been drowned at the horn of the Bue de la Rue. In certain places, at certain hours, gazing at the sea is dangerous. It is what looking at a woman sometimes is. The very old inhabitants of Guernsey, formerly called this niche fashioned in the rock by the sea, the Cher Gild Ormur, or Kidermer, a Celtic word, it is said, which those who know Celtic do not understand, and which those who know French understand, qui dort meurt, he who sleeps dies. Such is the peasant translation. Readers are free to choose between this translation, he who sleeps dies, and the one given in 1819, I think, in the Armoricain by M. Athena. According to this learned Celtic scholar, Gildolmur signifies the halting place of flocks of birds. Another chair of this sort exists at Origny, which is called the monk's chair, so well made by the sea and with a projecting point of rock so aptly adjusted that one might say that the sea is so amiable as to place a stool under your feet. At high water, when the tide was full, the chair of Gildolmur was no longer visible, the water covered it completely. The chair of Gildolmur was the neighbor of the Bue de la Rue. Gilliat knew it well and sat in it. He often went there. Did he meditate? No. We have just described it. He dreamed. He did not, however, allow himself to be caught by the tide. End of chapter 8 The Chair of Gildolmur